evening. Wonderful to be back with you tonight. We are thankful for the opportunity to come and study the Word of God with you. And I uh, hope and trust that you have had a wonderful week, blessed. And uh, uh, we are certainly praying. We want to mention in the outstart, certainly praying for all those who are suffering with sickness right now. We know that there's uh, more and many than we, than we can name. Uh, and... Uh, uh, some very young people are, are leaving this world. Um, and it's just a sad sight and sad day that we're living in. Uh, but uh, we hope and trust that this finds you well, uh, that you're healthy, happy, most of all that you're saved. Uh, but uh, appreciate the opportunity uh, to come back and be with you tonight. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles with you and you want to read along with us, we're going to pick up and hopefully... Uh, nail out the last and final part of John chapter 8. We've successfully made that into three parts. And uh, chapter 9, we're going to try and hopefully get into the first 12, 13 verses of chapter 9 tonight. And then we've got some long parts ahead uh, as we get into John 10 uh, and progress through some things. Um, a whole lot to the book of John, and we're thankful that we have the opportunity uh, to study the Word of God with you. I hope and trust that you're enjoying it and uh, getting something good and useful. Um, and uh, just uh, very appreciative of this opportunity. But uh, you pray for us tonight, and certainly we'll pray for you. Uh, thankful uh, that we can do this. All right, we're going to uh, uh, move on with this tonight. If you. Uh, want to pick up and read with us we're going to kind of cut in at the last portion of John chapter uh, number eight and then we're going to uh, get into like I said the few first few verses of chapter number nine uh, but I want to focus on verse number 58 and 59 at the latter portion of chapter eight but we'll pick back up and read about verse number 53 it says art thou greater than our father Abraham which is dead and the prophets are dead whom makest thou thyself Jesus answered if I honor myself my honor is nothing it is my Father that honoreth uh, me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye, ye, yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art yet fifty years old, and hast seen Abraham. This is a question. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Uh, then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. And we spent a lot of time last week, and I know that we went down a lot of rabbit trails, and we talked uh, some more about the Trinity. We talked about uh, some more fundamental doctrine that kind of um, shapes the thinking of the Pharisees, where which are the opposers, they are the accusers in this current situation, and uh, that that uh, systematic carries out primarily through the entire book of John. Um, <clears throat> but as we're trailing off right here, uh, Jesus makes some very very powerful statements in verse number fifty-eight, and we're going to look at those here in just a few minutes. But um, it, as we rewind back, it says, you know, the the Pharisees begin to question Christ. They said, "Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead?" And the prophets are dead. Whom, whom makest thou thyself? And 
uh, is we see the, the superiority aspect of what John is building in the narrative as we walk our way through the Gospel of John. Um, uh, in my mind, the, the superiority aspect of the Gospel of John is very familiar uh, with the same overtones that come and flow from the book of Hebrews about the superiority of Christ, of all the old um, Hebrew uh, patriarchs, um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the angels. Um, and, and we kind of see this over and over again. And uh, the superiority aspect that is being fulfilled in Christ is exactly what we just said. This is a fulfillment of the Messianic King, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we see this uh, coming to fruition in the Scripture, um, we're looking back at the cross. And, and um, this right here is not as shocking and as, and, and as enlightening um, I, I would say, and, and I say that um, almost with hesitation to say that uh, um, we are so immersed in, in a gospel culture, and I know that things are quickly changing in today's uh, society, talking to Will the other day, and um, uh, Vladimir Putin, the, uh, uh, of course we all know him, the president of Russia, made the declaration that, uh, uh, that a turn uh, would be constituted in the nation of Russia that they uh, should commit themselves back to Christianity uh, because uh, the United States of America, which has uh, been in prominence for years and years and years, hundreds of years, and led the nation uh, not only in economics and uh, political organization, but absolutely, uh, they I believe that they have set the standard and the course for the trajectory of the church. And there's a lot of other countries that are looking at the United States of America and what we're doing and how we're doing and the Christian reaction. And we've been talking a lot about, um, and of course it's it's so deeply seated into our world which we live in today, we're so heavily divisive on everything. Everything, you know, uh, everything is offensive and there are lines drawn in the sand, left and right and uh, north and south and we see all this division uh, and this disharmony uh, that has disrupted the unity of the body of Christ. And because we have a disrupted harmony of the body of Christ, uh, the Bible tells us explicitly, a house divided shall not stand. Uh, and it's time today, absolutely, that we come together on the common core principles of the doctrines of orthodoxy that we, uh, that we, um, we are exemplary uh, in our dedication to the study of the Word of God, uh, that we are exact, that we are precise, um, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, it says, For the days of ignorance hath passed, and God hath commanded all men everywhere, therefore, uh, to repent. And a lot of times we still make the claim today uh, to ignorance that we don't know. or that. Uh, but, you know, we live, um, it, it has its blessings and its cursings, but uh, I'm thankful today that we can look at the positive side and see the blessings that God has bestowed uh, on we, His children. We live uh, in an information age. We have everything accessible to us uh, that we could possibly imagine. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of scholarship that are uh, essentially, for the most part, free to us, that we can evaluate, that we can read, that we can study. Uh, we have the, the, the Word of God, which we've always had, uh, but we can take all this scholarship that is prior to us and that we, uh, can, we can really begin to bring to fruition and see the light uh, that is behind the context of the Word of God and things uh, become more real to us. And, and that's what it's going to take is we're going to have to get united back with this. But we see this great division 
that Jesus has uh, presented himself with. And of course, we should expect nonetheless, right? There should be a lot of opposition as we see. Um, of course, we know that the Jewish leadership, prim they're primarily... Uh, their primary driving function behind them acting the way that they're acting is they don't want to lose power. They don't want to lose authority and leadership. Uh, and Jesus steps in the midst of the scene and he starts making these declarations of who he is, is that he is the messianic king uh, that was sent from God. He came to do the will of the Father uh, and he is going to reign on David's throne. And this is, uh, uh, this is something that has upset the apple cart. And of course, we've said this on many, other different, uh, many different times and different occasions but as well. Uh, but the Jewish perception would be that they would have a, uh, a, a natural king that would come and, and regain and reconstitute the powers and strip Rome of her powers and reconstitute and uh, inaugurate a new kingdom here uh, on this earth. And, of course, we see that that, that was um, in the Old Covenant. When we work our ways up, when we read the Old Covenant and the Old Scriptures, we come to realize that uh, the nation of Israel... Uh, the, the the ethnic Jews of that day and time, which was the vessel in which God, uh, I, I say it like this, this was God's elect lady uh, that he had ordained, uh, not at the exclusion of all the other nations, but he had ordained this elect lady to come uh, to bring to pass, and we see this and we read it in the book of Revelation in the 12th chapter, that she was to bear a man-child. Uh, so her purpose, her mission, and her goal was was not uh, to exclude all the other nations, but to bear and bring forth the Messianic Son of God, uh, which was the Messiah. And, and when she bore this child, he would come. He would be the Redeemer, the Ransom. He would justify, sanctify, uh, and one day glorify uh, and inaugurate his kingdom, that he lived, that he died, uh, that he rose again, he's ascended back to the Father. This is the gospel news. This is the message that we have um, and in, in constituting this, we understand that when Jesus uh, established all these things, that there was a new kingdom. And we'll get into that in later times, especially when we get into the latter portions uh, of the chapters of the book of John. But we're not going to spend a lot of time uh, talking about that tonight. But we see this great division, right? Uh, and like I said, you know, we see it today. We've seen it. Uh, history repeats itself. We know that, that there's always been division. But it seems like it's more prevalent today in the times which I've lived, myself personally. Okay? So we see this, that it's time uh, that, number one, we've got to get back into the Word of God. Uh, I believe that we're seeing so much division uh, in the kingdom of God is because we have strayed away from the Word of God. Uh, we say this often. Uh, and we've said this uh, many times at church, uh, is we pray and we pray and we pray and we, we beg and we seek God and we say, God, would you speak to us? And we have 66 books of the Bible, 39 of the old and 27 of the new that he's given to us. And he said, look, so and I've, I've given you everything. I have spoken to you, but yet we haven't taken the time to pick up the word of God, to open it, expose it, read over it, study it, pray it, thoroughly examine it. And understand that this is God's word to his redeemed. Um, not only to the redeemed, it's, it's God's word to uh, all of humanity. Uh, all that would heed his words, believe, repent, uh, and accept him on the terms of his gospel. Uh, we can be and will be gloriously saved. Romans ten thirteen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we look at this right here in a greater degree. So... Um, you know, of course, this uh, this strikes a nerve with them. They say, well, you're saying that you're greater than our father 
Abraham. Jesus answered in verse number 54, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. And so he's saying is, look, God honors me. God has sent me. He said, I'm the eternal begotten of the Father. The eternal begotten of the Father. We can read this, and we quote this often in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 18. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, that it, it wasn't by silver and gold uh, that... Uh, that uh, that was uh, perceived from uh, your foretold generations or generations you followed, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, spot who was barely foreordained before the foundation of the world. He is the eternal begotten. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same as in the beginning with God. We see this. We see that Jesus is eternal. Uh, so now we get into this, and, and he says, look, the Father is honoring me. And he said, now listen, if you honored my Father, you would honor me uh, because he's your God. So we get to verse 55. Uh, Yet uh, ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall, be, I shall be a liar unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Okay? So... We see this declaration, and we quote this often in Hebrews chapter number 11, as we look uh, at, the, at the heroes of faith right here. Um, but we see this portion of the scripture in the text right here, in verse number 8 of chapter number 11 of the book of Hebrews. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called out to go to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, and heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because he judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, uh, and him as good as dead, so many as the uh, stars of the sky of multitude, and as, the, and as the sand, which is by the seashore, innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And I want to say this, a stranger is somebody that's away from home. A fugitive is somebody that's running away from home. A pilgrim is headed home, and a vagabond has no home. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, listen... We're not a fugitive and we're not a vagabond. We're not running away from home. We're not a vagabond because we don't have a home. But we are a stranger because we're away from home and we're a pilgrim, glory to God, because we are headed home. Amen. Uh, so now listen, we see this right here and the Bible tells us right here that he said, Now Abraham rejoiced to see my day in verse number 56 and he saw it and was glad. You read this uh, over in the book of uh, Galatians uh, in the third chapter. Uh, and I'm going to read this to you as well. Uh, the Lord keeps reminding us of Scripture. This is a, a, a Scripture that I love. In Galatians chapter number 3, verse number 6, it says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And we see that recorded again in Romans chapter number 4. Uh, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. So this is a declaration of Paul in the book of Galatians. He said, Now listen, if you made a declaration of faith, and of course this is post-Calvary, but he said, if you've made a, a declaration of faith in the Messianic King, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person in the Trinity, uh, listen, if you've made that declaration in faith, then you are the children of Abraham. 
And in verse number eight, the Bible says this in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. So we see where the presentation of the gospel was even made to Abraham. And I'll just leave that right there and leave you to your own study. Uh, but uh, what a wonderful study that is. Um, but now it says, your father Abraham rejoiced. He, he rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad, right? And we've already read this in, in the book of Hebrews, right? Uh, he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Uh, this is what he was looking for. This day uh, in which God would reunite, ransom, and redeem all things, not just in humanity, but in all cosmos and creation, when he would ransom, redeem, uh, uh, and reconcile all things unto himself and establish a new kingdom, okay? Uh, and this establishment uh, is the primary principle and the foundation and the constitution for the New Testament church. This is what we are. This is who we are. We are the children of Abraham by faith, right? So Abraham was looking uh, to go back where Adam and Eve had began, uh, and that's is where we're headed, right? We're, we're headed back to an inaugural city uh, in which there shall be no sin, no sorrow, no death. For the Bible says in the book of Revelation, for the former things have passed away, and behold, I have made all things new. Amen. The new heavens and the new earth. And uh, good Lord willing, we'll get into uh, talking and studying about that uh, in days to come. But in verse number 57, the Bible says, Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? So this is obviously uh, a patronizing comment that they're making back to him, and we understand this. We know this to be true. Uh, but this, uh, this uh, patronizing comment that, they're, uh, that they are displaying to him uh, is also uh, two things. It's, it's number one saying that, look, he said... Uh, uh, you're not even old enough to have met Abraham. Uh, but in that, uh, behind the scenes, there's also a hidden underlying meaning uh, that is a rejection of him as the Messiah and that he did not come in the name of the Father. And then we see in verse number 58, this is uh, a very, very prominent uh, quotation. And we're going to read right here. Uh, the Bible tells us right here, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was... I am. In the Greek, those two words, I am. Ego am I. Ego am I. Remember those things because we're going to read over here in Ezekiel chapter number 3. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter number 3, verse number uh, 13 and 14. Let me flip back over here so I can read this to you. Uh, or not in Ezekiel, excuse me, Exodus. Exodus chapter number 13, uh, verse number... Uh, uh, 14 and 15 and the scripture reads and it shall uh, and it shall be uh, when thy son asketh thee in time to come saying what is this that thou shalt say unto him by strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage uh, and it came to pass uh, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt but both uh, the firstborn of man and the firstborn of the beast therefore I sacrifice to the Lord of all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children, I redeem. And we see this right here, um, and and we we have this promise of 
who Christ is. Who Christ is. Now, what, what, is, what is Christ making a, a declaration of? And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? So uh, this is a question. So this is Moses having a conversation with God. He's saying, look, he said, I understand that you know that you want me to go. And of course, we know the context of uh, the book of Exodus right here, that the children of Israel have been in bondage for 430 years. They fell under the burden of the taskmaster of the Egyptians. God has sent in a redeemer uh, in the function and the form of a man named Moses. And, and Moses said unto God, behold, when I am come to the children of Israel, what shall I say to them? The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus uh, shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. So this is a declaration that Jesus is making uh, in the presence of all the people. Now listen, we must understand, uh, the Pharisees, they... they uh, they had the Torah memorized. First five books of the Bible, they had these things committed to memory. Okay, so when Jesus makes the declaration that I am, uh, we, we immediately jump back to the declaration that was made also of God to Moses in the third chapter of the book of Exodus when he said, I am. Uh, and this is a declaration of God. We see this repeated over and over in the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, when it's noted that I am, okay, uh, this is a direct reference to the one Trinitarian God, the one Yahweh, and the one Jehovah, uh, the God that is above all other gods, the King that is above all other kings, and the Lord that is above all other lords. So Jesus makes this declaration. He says, I am, which is we've also said is Greek, is ego in mind. We see this uh, repetitively quoted through the, through the Gospel of John, and John builds uh, on this premise of I am, the superiority aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's focal, and we shouldn't overlook it. But in verse number 58, Jesus makes the declaration that I am. He also makes the same declaration in John chapter number 18, verses 4 and 5. I'll read those to you. I'm going to read a lot of scripture right here. And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that I should come to him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with him, with them. Now listen, uh, this gets by us. I want you to listen closely to verse number six. And as soon as they, and as soon then as they had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. <laughs> Okay, uh, so when Jesus makes the proclamation, he says, I am he. This is the detractors that are coming to carry him to the cross of Calvary. This transpires in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has already prayed, uh, Father, let this cup pass from thee. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. The angels have came that they have comforted him. And we, may, and we see where Jesus presents himself as the detractors and the opposition come to take him that is uh, going to march him up Galgotha's hill to his very impending and imminent death. And Jesus makes the declaration as they came and they ask, where is this man? And he said, I am he. And the scripture tells us that they fell backwards and they actually fell to the ground as the power of God uh, made its sanctifying presence known in the presence of all the people 
that this was the surrender of the Son of God, okay? This was the surrender. This right here uh, was the inauguration. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane, but right here when Jesus made the declaration, I am He. Uh, this was when Jesus fulfilled the passage where uh, the Bible tells us, no man takes my life from me, but He said, I lay it down. I make an offering. He said, I, I have these wounds. And the Bible tells us in the book of Zechariah, I've incurred these in the house of my friends. But Jesus is making these ego in my statements. And he says, I am he. And two times in John eight fifty eight, and then in John 18, 4, uh, in verse number 5, or in 18, uh, verse number 5, he makes the same declaration. But we see preceding and then uh, post of this, we also see where Jesus makes metaphorical statements of ego in my about who he is and the description of who the Son of God is. So we see first off in John chapter number 6 and verse number 35, 41, 48, and 51, he says, I am the bread of life. Okay? Uh, the second time he does this is in John 8, 12, and also in 9, 5, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I would encourage you to go back and to listen uh, to those passages where we talk through, the, uh, through those and uh, see the symbology uh, of the metaphor that Christ is using in the context and the premise of these things, when he makes the declaration, I am the light of the world, uh, we, we see that tie back to John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We see the tie back to Genesis 1 and 3. Uh, when the Bible says that there was darkness across all the land and God spoke and said, let there be light. The third time we see this is in John chapter number 10, verse number 7. He said, I am the door. Okay, uh, we can see uh, uh, this metaphorical relation back to that uh, we can see overtones of, he, of uh, Exodus chapter number 12. Not only is he the sacrificial lamb and he is the offering upon the blood post, or upon the doorpost, the upper lintel uh, and the foot trellis. Not only is he the offering, but he himself is actually the door. Uh, he makes this reference again in, in the book of Revelation. He said, I am the door. Uh, listen, uh, and he said, I stand at the door and knock. Uh, friends, listen, he said, if you would open, he said, I would come in with you and sup with you. But friends, listen to me. There is only one way to heaven. We'll get to that. Uh, but now uh, we see the next declaration. Uh, also, uh, in the book of uh, 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 John, in the uh, 10th chapter as well, uh, and, and Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, okay? And now we're pulling this back from uh, the writings of Psalm 23 when David, uh, when he made the declaration uh, of, of God being our shepherd. Uh, and the Bible tells us right here, uh, as we get into John chapter number 11, verse number 25, we see reference back to Isaiah 26, 19. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We know the story where he came to his friend Lazarus who was taken in death. Mary and Martha approach him. Uh, listen, in all of their sorrow and grief, and Jesus asked the question, uh, listen, believest thou that thy brother shall live again? And she said, yea, Lord, I know he'll live again in the resurrection. Jesus makes the, uh, the affirmation. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. We see that Jesus uh, is all and in all. 
the last or uh, uh, the sixth time we see this is an often all too familiar quoted passage in John chapter number 14 verse number 6 Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man comes unto the father lest he come by me amen uh, friends, listen, there's only one way to heaven. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 4, verse number 12, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The last time we see an ego of my statement is in uh, John 15, in, chapter, in verse number 1, and also in verse number 5, when Jesus makes the declaration, he says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. Thank God that we can have no fruit if we have no root. He is the root to all existence. The branch cannot survive without the vine. He is the life-giving blood that sustains us, watches over us, keeps us, uh, listen, and guides us in every daily aspect of our lives. Amen. He said, I am the great I am. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I'm the sh good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the vine. Ultimately, he said, I am. Amen. He said, I am the eternal, uh, eternal begotten Son of God. Son of God, sent by my Father, the eternal un, uh, unbegotten, uh, and from us both proceeds the eternal Spirit of God. Uh, but listen, we see this right here, and now the Bible says in verse number 59, and just for the sake of time, we're going to try and move on uh, so we can make some tracks right here. Uh, but the Bible says, uh, Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Uh, Jesus was not going to be taken uh, captive until he surrendered himself, as we talked about in John chapter number 18. All right, we're going to, uh, that concludes John chapter number 8. Took us three weeks, four weeks to get through it, but now we're going to plow into John chapter 9 for just uh, a few moments uh, here tonight to take up the balance of our time. Uh, but we get into John chapter 9, and we see uh, that this is uh, just uh, rolls right in uh, to essentially where we uh, left off the discourse of the Feast of the Tabernacles, kind of backing off of uh, chapter number 7. And the Bible says, and, Je and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin this man or his parents uh, that he was born? And now we see... Uh, we must understand when we go back into the Old Covenant and the Old Bible, uh, we know that we have here um, where, where the Scripture teaches is in the book of Ezekiel in chapter number 4, Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse number 29 and 30, it says, In those days uh, they shall say no more the Father's have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But every one shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth a sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. And why am I reading this? Uh, I'm reading this because this is old covenant theology that's passed forward. All right, so uh, they believed in individual personalized sin. So why we see the preposition or the the prop right here where the disciples say, uh, "Who did sin, this man or?" Uh, his parents. Well, if you read the preceding birth, you'll, uh, you'll understand where their formulation come from, where the Bible says this man was blind from birth. So because uh, there was a physical 
uh, uh, attribute about him that was broken at his birth. The assumption was that this was inherited uh, from his father uh, or his mother. Uh, okay, uh, and now we see this in, in verse number three. But before we get to verse number three, I want to say this. Uh, there's a lot of people still have this perception today. Uh, and I want to say this, friends, listen to me. I'm glad uh, that we don't serve a vengeful uh, God. Amen. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. I know the scripture tells us that uh, in, in the book of Hebrews. But the Bible is talking about in the consummating end. Uh, listen. When we understand that vengeance will be poured out at the consummating end, uh, uh, the uh, the juxtaposition of that uh, is this: is that until the time of vengeance, we have a God of mercy. Okay, uh, yes, is God a God of wrath? Wrath, absolutely. But primarily, first and foremost, we must understand uh, if we believe in the omnis of God, that God is omnipresent, that God is omnipotent, and God is omniscient. He's omnibenevolent. What does omnibenevolence entail? Uh, that He is a maximally great being. He desires the best for all uh, all people. Primarily, okay, uh, it is not His will that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. That is God's purpose plan, intention for every single man, woman, boy, or girl that ever draw breath in this world. His purpose uh, and his act, uh, his mediatorial act was demonstrated to all of humanity on the cross of Calvary. The cross of Calvary was not particular. It was not specific. It was not for a certain elect, uh, but the cross of Calvary is indefinitely and undeniably for all creatures. Uh, listen, from beginning to end, uh, friends, listen to me. Uh, the cross of Calvary is unlimited in its grace, in its mercy, and in its propitiating power. Okay, it stands as an advocate, as a mediator. It stands as, as a as a place of propitiation. What does the word propitiation mean? The word propitiation means a place of mercy. So the cross of Calvary stands as a place of mercy instead for us, right? There is always hope, and I'm glad tonight that we can have uh, uh, peace peace beyond all imaginable understanding in knowing that we have a redeemer who loves us now is god a god of wrath and venge uh, uh, vengeance will vengeance be poured out absolutely but i said this is in the consummating end against the enemies of him who are the enemies of him those that have rejected the cross of calvary first and foremost Primarily, we must understand that God is a God of grace, that he inhabits, uh, inhabits us with his grace in the womb, okay? Uh, from the time that you can call a, when that fertilized egg is conceived, when you can formulate life, that is when God's grace resides upon all humanity uh, and it is its preponderance of grace is carrying us forward to the cross of Calvary. Now in verse number three, the Bible says, Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So he was blind for this uh, intended purpose that the Lord Jesus Christ could heal them at this specific, uh, specific time and course of events. And now, uh, listen, why is this? Uh, I, I want you to remember when we talked about the Feast of the Tabernacles in, in chapter number seven, when Jesus uh, is walking in the midst of them, this is when Jesus makes the, the statement. He said, I am uh, the water of life. 
when when we see this, uh, this is because uh, they of the water ceremony that was incorporated into the feast uh, of tabernacles. So then we see, um, you know, they uh, you can go back and read this, but they carried a golden pitcher carried from the pool of Siloam to the temple and the altar. Okay, so the water that was celebrated at the Feast of Tabernacles, where did it come from? It came from the Pool of Siloam. Why is that important? Uh, that's important uh, because the Pool of Siloam is where we'll get into here in just a few minutes. Okay, and I'll give you some little bit of history on that. But Now, Jesus made this comment. He said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So, friends, listen to me. We must understand, uh, and, and I want to say this, uh, as tenderheartedly as I can communicate this, because there are a lot of things in this world that we can't understand, that we can't perceive, we can't even begin to wrap our minds around. There are a lot of hard times and hard things that, that we uh, transgress and transpire in this world uh, that we uh, literally will have no answer to uh, until we get to heaven. We can't understand and perceive in our minds why some things are. All things are for the grace of God. Paul, in one occasion, I remind you of this, and we'll move on with the text. Paul, in one occasion, the Bible says that he, that he had a thorn in the flesh. He sought the Lord thrice, uh, three times, uh, to remove it. God would not remove it. Uh, yet the, uh, the Bible says that the thorn remained. Uh, uh, listen, and, and, and Jesus, Jesus made this comment. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Even though it's a messenger of Satan sent to buffet us, friends, in the flesh, we must understand that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace, his unmerited favor toward man. That means that we deserve something that we are that we get that we are in that we get something that we do not deserve. God's grace is proficient, it's active, it's moving. Uh, and, and I want to say this. Uh, not only is it his his grace, but it's the proveniency of his grace. It's the prior working of God's grace in every specific individual's life. Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay. So we see this right here. Now in verse number four, Jesus, uh, he reverts back to this. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. We see this often communicated in the book of John. Uh, we see it communicated yet uh, again. Jesus uh, is, so, is uh, so, uh, showing his submission to the Father, not his subordination, but his submission. Christ is not less than the Father, nor is the Father more than the Son, nor is the Father less than the Son. Uh, but we see here that he is coming in full submission and harmony, not division, uh, but he is coming in full harmony uh, with his Father. He said that I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. And friends, listen to me. I want to reiterate this tonight. We quote this often from the pulpit, and I know that we do. Uh, but friends, listen to me. Why? I don't, I'm no prophet and a prophet's son. I can't tell you when the end of time will be. I don't know. 
friends, listen to me. I, I want to say this. There's a lot of people make the comment today. Uh, the times, the way they are, I don't know how they can get any worse. Friends, listen to me. We can see biblical definitions in the history repeating uh, in itself. Friends, listen to me. Times can be much worse. We are blessed beyond measure in the United States of America. There are brothers and sisters, especially in Afghanistan, that are suffering for the cause of Christ, losing their life for the cause of Christ. Uh, friends, listen to me. I, I read this the other day. Uh, when we, when Sunday come around, they said that there would be Christians that would assemble today in Afghanistan that would surrender and lose their lives for the cause of Christ. And friends, listen, we've got people in the house of God today. They will not come. They will not go. They will not do. They will not study. They will not pray. Uh, friends, listen to me. We, and we look around and we say, well, why, is these, why are these things happening to us? Friends, listen to me. This is not... This is not a vengeful God uh, pouring his wrath on us. This is what happens. This is what it looks like when his bride walks away from the grace of God. And he's begging us to turn back. But now, friends, listen to me. The Bible says, work while it is day, night cometh. I'm a no, no man can work. I, like I said, I'm no prophet and prophet's son. I can't tell you where we are in the, in the transaction of history and time. I can tell you this. Uh, that I look for him this morning to come. I look for him tonight. I look for him tomorrow. Friends, listen to me. I am looking for the soon coming of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But friends, listen to me. Uh, now is no time to sit on our haunches. Uh, now is no time to stagger, to stumble, to falter, nor fail. Now is the time. Uh, when we should work, friends, listen to me. He said, pray uh, that, 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 that uh, laborers would be sent into the harvest. Friends, it's time that we pursue and that we press and that we nurture the field that God has provided to us. Friends, listen to me. I'm, I am absolutely confident in and of myself. There's, there's never been uh, in my lifetime any more lost people than there are today. Friends, listen, and it is imperative. It is an absolute necessity that we let our light shine, that we preach the gospel. Not to those that we want to, but we preach the gospel to all men uh, in all creation. Rel yellow, red, black, and white. They're all precious in his sight. Listen, we are not to differentiate who we preach it to, who we don't, where we go. When God gives utterance and the Spirit provides, we speak the gospel, my friends. Listen, we speak and we preach the gospel to a lost and a dying world. Uh, so the Bible says in verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Okay? In verse 6, the Bible said, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay out of spittle. Uh, so listen, what did he do? He spit on the ground and made mud. Okay? Uh, he made mud uh, out, of, out of his spit. What do we see uh, in, in close... We see this right here that Jesus. Now we're all we're tailing off these I am statements. He reminded, uh, if you remember uh, prior in the broadcast when we were talking about this. So when we see him tailing off of these I am statements and these declarations that are made, see him spit on the ground and he makes mud. Then he takes his mud, he applies it to this man's eyes, he tells him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. What is this indicative of? This is also very uh, informative, enlightening, and indicative of the fact that when, G, uh, when uh, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that he took and he formed dust, dust from the earth, and he formed it into a man, and he breathed into that man's nostrils the breath of life, and therefore he became a living soul. We see the Creator at work. Amen. We see the Creator 
at work. I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now, we get to this right here. We see all these water episodes uh, that are reverberated on and on and on as we progress through the book of John. We see all this. We see, uh, and what is this primarily driving uh, up to and back to? I believe that it's primarily driving up and back to the declaration that was made to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He that is born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. We see the cleansing aspect of the Creator God. So we see this right here. Uh, we see this as a reverberation yet once again that has Old Testament overtones. We could uh, probably go back and grab Naaman if we so pleased. Uh, where he told, the man of God told him to go dip in the Jordan River, uh, said uh, seven times. So uh, the word Siloam, uh, as it's interpreted right here, uh, which means uh, sent, uh, so at, such as the pool's name, it's also indicative both of Jesus' mission and his command that those that would receive his blessings and become identified uh, as his as his followers and as his disciples, so we see this right here that Jesus makes this declaration. He says, "Now I want you to go down to the pool of Siloam." And the Bible says he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, uh, that um, and they which had uh, seen him uh, that was blind said, "Is not this he that sat and begged?" Some said, "This is he." Others said, uh, "He is like him." But he said, uh, "But he said." I am he. Ego am I. That's what he said. <laughs> so friends, listen. Uh, as we get into this right here, we see that uh, this man that he came, he was blind from birth, uh, not by his inherited sin, not by his own sin. He was, uh, he was made this way, created this way, and for this purpose, for the glory and for the cause of God. So that uh, Christ could send him intentionally down to the pool of Siloam. Uh, in which Jesus had already made the declaration that he was water, okay, and that he was light, as we see the overtones for going back to the Feast of the Tabernacles in John chapter number 7. And we see this uh, as it all comes to a head right here. Uh, and I, I'm going to read this to you. It says, The intersection of the Pool of Siloam with the, feast, uh, with the Festival of Tabernacles should also not be overlooked here because the water drawn for the water ceremony in the temple was carried in procession uh, from this very same pool. The pool of Siloam was a strategic place of well-being for the inhabitants of Jerusalem because after Hezekiah dug the water tunnel from the spring of Gihon to the pool of Siloam, the, Jerusalemite, the Jerusalemites uh, had a continual source of life-sustaining water within the walls of the city during the times of siege. So this was a pool of healing. This was a pool of sustaining, and it was integral to the Feast of the Tabernacles, and Jesus is playing off of these things. Once again, we've got to draw in, draw ourselves in and see the broader narrative in the context uh, that is drawing off of the mosaic that is presented to us uh, in the book of Exodus. So the Bible says, the neighbors, therefore, 
and they which sat before him said, uh, this, uh, uh, said that he was blind. Is, is this not he that sat and begged? And they, they were perplexed at what had just transpired. Some said, this is he. Others said, it is like him. And this man finally said, look, this is me. I am he. Okay. Uh, and therefore they said unto them, how are thine eyes open? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay, made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. Then said they unto them, where is he? He said, I know not. They brought, uh, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. So they brought to the Pharisees him that was blind before. Uh, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees, the Pharisees also looked, uh, uh, also uh, asked him how he received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay on mine eyes and I washed and do see. <laughs> Amen. Uh, a lot of times we can't understand the, uh, the miracles and the blessings uh, uh, and the providence of God. Uh, we, we can't reconcile them. We can't make any sense of them. But I'm glad, uh, glad that we serve a God who is supreme over all things. In Matthew 28, 18, he made the declaration. And he, uh, uh, he said, I have all power over heaven and in earth. Amen. Uh, there is none greater than him. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. And we see the religious, religious Pharisees of the day, the first thing that they want to revert back to is ordinances, not that they, not that they had just witnessed an absolute miracle. Others said, how can a man uh, that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division, there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he opened thine eyes? He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who, uh, who ye, uh, ye say was born blind? How then doth he see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. We can't understand this either. Or who hath opened his eyes, we don't know. We know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed uh, already that if any man did confess that he was a Christ, he uh, should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. Then again they called uh, they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I do know, whereas I was blind, now I see. Amen. I believe that would be a wonderful place to end tonight's uh, uh, study. But thank God, friends, listen to me. Uh, I'm glad that there's a time in every, redeemer's, uh, in every redeemed person's life. There was a time when we were blind. We can't explain it. We don't know how it happened. We don't know exactly what transpired. But we know, glory to God, that one day we were blind. And now we can see. By the light of the world, he has washed and made us clean. God bless you tonight. We thank you for listening. I hope that God would watch over and keep you safe uh, in these troublesome days and times ahead. We love you. Good Lord willing, we'll be back with you next week.